The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy almost trade deadline, Brandon Day. I had to, I had to switch it up today. No alohas. It's it's a no, special no one. No alohas. No, you're back. You're 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 in the mix, man. You're in the, you're in the fire now. Uh, we've already got a trade. How about that? How about that? We're in trade season. S Z N trade mm. season. Oh man. Hello, fellow young people. What's that? Oh. What's that? The Steve Buscemi meme. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Greetings, but yes. greetings fellow youth. Or something like, yeah, we're old. Um, SZN, it is upon us. We've got a big trade. We'll be breaking that down here shortly. But first, how are you, man? What's up? Um, just finished making a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> so uh, I, I sent you a picture of that, which is a great start to our morning. We had a very fun start to the morning. You were telling me about preschool drop-off. We were possibly trying to plan out ways to uh, knock out a kid that was giving Asher problems. Yeah, we could get him. <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, I took out my big jar of peanut butter, sent you a picture of that, and then I showed you a picture of both loaves or both sides of the bread lathered in peanut butter. It's been a good start to the morning. This is, by the way, not a euphemism for anything. Brandon really did send me a picture of a giant jar of Skippy and peanut butter on both sides of the bread. We talked about this. Was that last week or two weeks ago? We talked about yeah, the fact that... It was that a couple weeks ago. You yeah, talked about using you peanut butter both sides of the bread. Why not just double nut butter one side? Because you, you just saw why. It's just it's perfection. <laughs> I, I cut it in half to make sure it fits inside the... Uh, sandwich bag and we're good to go just in case i need dinner tonight because i'm i'm driving all the way up to santa barbara today baby oh so, uh, gotta have dinner just in case that's not that bad santa barbara's like i mean i guess depending on when you go in it's los angeles so it could be anywhere from like 85 minutes to four hours uh yeah. but that's not i mean that's not too far of a jaunt so here's the thing and and we're gonna dive into the trade here in a moment and i'll tell you what show you're listening to in a moment as well i just <laughs> people made fun of me uh, when they saw the way I make peanut butter sandwiches, which is I am very careful to get peanut butter to every edge of the bread that I'm spreading it on. You do that on both sides. You're you're a double whammy. You're twice as crazy as I am. Correct. Oh, I Correct. love it. No wonder we get along. Yeah. Oh, peanut butter sandwich. Truly, that is the, yeah, ne- the uh, nectar of the gods. <laughs> the best <laughs> welcome to fantasy nba today everybody it's the peanut butter hour uh he's brandon marcus i'm dan Vespers. you can follow us on twitter at dan Vespers. yeah it's easy enough right he is at b d marcus you should change your twitter handle twitter twitter handle to peanut butter brandon that'd be amazing can we can we please please everybody out there listening that's on Twitter and tends to interact with us. Please yell at him to change his handle to peanut butter Brandon. <laughs> that would be just the greatest thing that could happen on trade deadline week. We already got a trade going down, and we're going to break it down for you right out of the shoot here. I'm not even going to do any promo at the outset. Um, what the hell happened? It's a four-team, 12-player trade. I saw a note that this was the biggest or the largest number of humans involved in an NBA trade since 2000. In 20 years. So thank yeah. you. We, we got material this morning. Yeah, we have material. But now the question is, are there going to be other trades? And the answer is most likely yes. I mean, people are, are always wondering, is the hype actually going to be fulfilled? And this may not be the biggest trade deadline in terms of names moved. I mean, Clint Capella and Robert Covington are some pretty big names. 
But it seems like these teams, specifically Houston and Minnesota, have now put themselves in a spot where they need to make a more deal. So it could be a very eventful couple of days here. And the fact that this was done on a Tuesday means that we very well might see more trades today and tomorrow, obviously. But today, perhaps, is when uh, some more trades go down. So I wanted, I want to reverse bury the lead here. I want to really go with the, the lead, L-E-D-E, of course, and come right out of the shoot and say, are we adding anybody after this trade? It feels like, to me at least, most of the guys, and we'll break it all down on a, on a name-by-name name, name perspective here, but most of the key players in this trade, namely Rob Covington, Clint Capella, uh, are already on fantasy rosters, so there's nothing you're going to do with those guys. And then there are basically like nine or ten somewhat peripheral names that got shifted, and I don't know that any get over the cut line. I think some get close, but I'm not using up one of my four weekly moves on someone. as re- And I in my leagues, people did. You know, people, I saw names flying on and off the waiver wire in, my, in, a, in a roto league where there's no moves cap. One team made four moves last night. So uh, thing, things are getting crazy, and I don't know that anybody really emerges massively victorious from this. No, and especially when a trade is made this early on, we're on a Tuesday, people are run, run, running to try and get maybe Hartenstein. What's to say that Houston doesn't go and get another big? Or what's to say they don't go and play P.J. Tucker 40 minutes a game, which is what they've been doing? I mean, there's no reason... To go crazy. I mean, I have I, there are a lot of names that people are asking me about, and funny enough, I have a list right now of four names that are currently available in my big league: P.J. Tucker, Bruce Brown, Mikhail Bridges, and Pat Beverly. And those four, I prefer those four over anything else. But I'm not adding anybody because, as true to my word, I said I'm waiting until Wednesday and Thursday to make my moves. And in this case, this really is a wait and see. There's no name that's big enough. I know you mentioned a couple yesterday that maybe could be on the radar for 12-team leagues. But then again, if you think someone's going to get open path to minutes in Minnesota, that very well could change in the next 12 hours. So there's really no need to rush when the upside of someone you're going to add is not very high. Yeah, it's it's a hard... But, I, I mean, I think we can relate to those folks that are out there, you know, sifting through the names because there is this and it's a little bit of human nature moment as well, when you hear about a big trade going down, and by all accounts, yeah, I mean, this isn't like superstars changing hands. This is pretty damn good basketball players moving teams, and then a lot of, you know, fine basketball players. When something like this happens, I think there's an innate desire to go do something about it, to react to it. I can't just sit on my hands when something this substantial takes place, but I do think that that's the right decision. And so... Right, and I'll ask you this, and, and I'll give my own take on it as well. How do you stop yourself from making that that move in the moment? How do you, like, what mental moves do you play with your own brain? What chess are you playing to keep from succumbing to that desire? Well, I mean, before the week started, I sent out a tweet and I said, save your moves until Thursday. Just save them until Wednesday and Thursday. Wait to see what happens. And then Mike Conley goes off, and I was like, all right, fine. I'll use one of my moves in Mike Conley just because a guy like Conley is someone that could finish top 50. Yeah. When you have guys like that that are on your wire that you know have the potential to finish in a top 50 spot and can win you a league, then you can go and use a pickup. But you just need to think to yourself, if I make this move, is this going to win me my league? 
And adding Isaac Hartenstein is not going to win you your league, especially when we've seen that he's only playing a couple minutes right now with Capella out. So you just need to look at the situation and look at the landscape and see, okay, Jordan Bell, is that going to be a guy that's going to win me my league? Probably no. not. Does it seem like Mike D'Antoni is going to ride Jordan Bell for 30 minutes? No. Probably not. I mean, you just need to look at the deal and look to yourself and say to yourself, what makes the most sense? I mean, does it make more sense to wait? Because most likely we're going to see a trade that's going to happen, open up a spot. And it very, it seems like, let's say that uh, the T-Wolves miss out on D'Angelo Russell, which I don't think is going to happen. It really does seem like they'll end up with him. They yeah, they, they've unloaded every point guard they possibly have on the roster at this point. Exactly. <laughs> what, what would happen if they were to go and trade for a starting point guard? You'd want that guy. So just wait. There's more opportunity coming. And right now, there's no clear path to minutes for any of the guys that have come over into their new teams. Yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, the fact that, for me, uh, one of the points you made in there was one that, that I used as my sort of mental reasoning act, whatever acrobatics you want to call it here. Um, and that main one was more stuff is about to happen. You know, we're we're at the front end of this, and it's actually more stuff, I believe, with these two teams involved. You know, talking about the Timberwolves and their pursuit of D'Angelo Russell. Yes, they did, and, and we'll get into the names here in just a second, so I don't even want to bog uh, the, the show down with that in this particular discussion, but a lot of it is what you mentioned also with the Mike Conley thing. You know, he wasn't someone involved in the trade, but the upside was so substantial. And so then you look at all of these guys that just changed hands, Jordan Bell, what's the upside there? 18 minutes a game? 20? Max, probably? I would say 22 in a magical scenario. I don't think he's getting into the 20s. I really don't. No, um, and here's a question with, with you. I mean, with Jordan Bell, have you ever owned him? And the answer most likely is no, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, he's not that great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not just going to appear on, on a Rockets team that wants to go incredibly small and play massive minutes. There was a report that surfaced late last night from, I think it was Tim McMahon, who mentioned, look, we didn't. the Rockets are not bringing in Jordan Bell to make him their starting center. They're bringing him in to bang with some of the bigs when they go up against the teams like the Lakers or the Rudy Gobert's or the Nikola Jokic's, where they know they can't run P.J. Tucker at center or he's just going to get leaped over. Forget beat up, like... Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, they can just jump over P.J. Tucker. Because what is he? He's like a roster 6'6". Um, so he's there for kind of specialists' purposes. Not fantasy specialists, reality specialists. Rockets are playing a lot of teams that don't have massive game-changing centers. You probably can't use Jordan Bell in those games. So, you know, he's just one example here before we get into the actual weeds of is any of this going to result in a guy that could jump into the top 60, top 70 range? And the answer is, I think, pretty definitively no. And the reason that you don't race out and grab a guy that maybe Malik Beasley creeps up on the top 100, there are going to be 50 guys that creep up on the top 100 over the next month and a half. You don't need to use a move on a Tuesday in the middle of the night on a guy that's going to have probably the same value as someone that surfaces next week. It's not going to drastically impact your team the rest of the way. So let's get into the weeds now, though, um, because I think just walking people through how to not make a move was probably the biggest part of this whole thing. The actual trade, Brandon, was nuts. Let's start with the big names. Clint Capella's in Atlanta. This feels like 
kind of a lateral move fantasy wise and probably kind of a fun one for him because now he's on a team that wants him. Yeah, and he's getting lobs from Trey Young instead of James Harden. So, I mean, he's still yeah. going to be getting lobs. Uh, <laughs> I think if you look at the way this team's constructed, they're actually pretty decent. You look at Trey Young and Huerta and then Collins and Capella. Like, that's a team that's now going to start to win games instead of getting the worst spot in the East. So that'll be fun, fun to uh, watch. But he's still going to be getting rebounds. They're still going to need him to do that. He's still going to get points. His field goal percentage will still be good. He'll still get blocks. He's going to get minutes yep. because, frankly, nobody is there to play center except for Collins. So he's going to be fine. I think the biggest hit to this one on the Atlanta side is that Collins probably gets a few less rebounds. And his minutes are may not be as high because he won't need to play center every minute of every game. Yep. Easy enough. What about Rob Covington in Houston? He's the other uh, kind of big-ish name in this trade. From a fantasy perspective, he's a big name. Um, I got to assume Houston's planning on playing him a truckload of minutes at the power forward spot. I would hope so, and I do think his usage goes down. But that being said, I think his field goal percentage does go up because how beautiful is it going to be when Harden and Westbrook drive in the lane and they kick out to an open Covington? I mean, those are going to be open shots for him. His threes are going to go up. I mean, this team is going to shoot 63s a game. They, they are now built to basically shoot threes. That, that's what this team is going to be. They're going to ride out a starting lineup that's going to have Westbrook, Harden, Covington, Tucker, and possibly House. I mean, that could be their starting five. And that's going to be a lot of threes. There'll be rebounds galore because there should be a fast pace because they have such a small team. So I think his, his, uh, his value is still about the same. What about some of the more fringy guys? Because that's basically everything else. Well, actually, you know, before we even get into that, what about the guys around him on the Rockets? This feels like it deals a little bit of a gut punch to Daniel House, who saw his his value rehabilitated here with no Clint Capella around. P.J. Tucker at center is still going to be a thing, but with Harden and Westbrook on the floor together, basically nobody else was doing anything besides Clint Capella because he was getting the big man stats, but... Uh, the only reason we've seen these other guys emerge in a big way is because Westbrook has missed a couple of games as well. I'm tempted to say that I don't venture beyond Rob Covington on that team. Yeah, it'll be interesting because just because Tucker's getting minutes, he may fall into a accidental double-double and get maybe a couple of steals and a couple of threes. So it's someone that I'm keeping an eye on, and you know that I have not been Tucker's biggest fan, especially in head-to-head formats. And I have an eye on him. I want to see how this plays out because... He's going to play a lot of minutes, and if he plays a lot of minutes, the opportunity's there. And yeah, Daniel House is just turning a corner. I mean, yesterday I think he hit six threes with a couple of steals and got like nine rebounds. I mean, that was a perfect line of a Daniel House that was top 40 to start the season. But now you got to assume that his, uh, his usage and his value goes down a bit. But it's definitely a wait and see, and curious to see how it all plays out. But it's going to be a weird team, because this is now a very, very small team. Very small. They're they're going for a full-on, we're going to try something wacky because we're probably not going to beat the best of the best with the way things were. Which, yeah. honestly, I'm kind of okay with it. Like, they were, why would you be content to just be, like, the fourth or fifth best team in, the, in a very good Western Conference when you can either uh, set the train on fire going through a tunnel or, you know, maybe it blows out the other end uh coming at 150 miles an hour like you might as well do something nuts uh new orleans did it a couple years ago when they just went like big 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 men um you know it often it often does go down in a blaze of glory lakers tried some stupid crap last year where they were just like we're gonna go all ball handlers and it was horrible 
and maybe this does explode for the Rockets, but who knows? Maybe they have some fun. Maybe they go a little farther than than anybody expected, and honestly, I'm okay with it. It's like, you know what, Brandon? It's like the sixth-place team in your fantasy league that's just like, uh, in in you know, four weeks ago said, screw it, I'm going to trade my top 50 guy for Steph Curry and just pray he comes back for my fantasy playoffs. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the situation, I mean, Daryl Morey is on the chopping block for the whole China stuff, and then you add in the fact that there are reports that maybe he wasn't interested in getting Westbrook and he was kind of forced into it, and now he's just trying to make the best of the situation. The funny thing is, though, they're trying to figure out, okay, well, we need a big now to go and battle up against Anthony Davis. You just traded away your big. So it's an interesting situation because they had so many wings already, but they clearly think Covington's an upgrade. And if it, he is, then you hope that you can run up and down on teams because the Lakers are going to dominate you in the playoffs if they just go download <laughs> Anthony Davis every single time. Yeah, that's not a not a great matchup, especially because he's playing the four. And I get it. Like, P.J. Tucker and Rob Covington are, are excellent defenders, but Anthony Davis is a half foot taller than those guys. That's, that's not great. Um, they'll figure it out. They'll figure something out. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the other guys involved in this thing and, and what does it mean, if anything, because when we were getting it in in pieces last night, first it was like, oh, uh, Malik Beasley and, and Juancho Hernan Gomez are going to Minnesota, but who the hell is going anywhere else? And then we found out Shabazz Napier and Keita Bates-Diop were involved. This was all kinds of goofball. Evan Turner somehow got himself into this trade. <laughs> he's, he's in a new place. It's um, an Alan Crabb, I think, right? Or is that one a previous one? Doesn't matter. There's like 15 names. Uh, there's yeah. 12 of them. Do any of these guys come close for you? I'll, I'll start on this one since I know there's a, a thousand names to go over and picking apart each one of them one by one is sort of a, a useless thought exercise. Yeah. Here's the way I'm feeling on it. Number one, we talked about Jordan Bell. I think he actually could have some value in the games where they do go against bigger centers unless Houston makes another move here later today, which they might. Um. You know, we've seen his per 36s are outstanding from a fantasy perspective. He's not getting anywhere near 36 minutes. But in those games where they can't, they simply can't play P.J. Tucker 40 minutes at center and Jordan Bell picks up, I don't know, 18 or 19, you could get a block and a steal or possibly even a tiny bit more than that intermittent night. So he's someone I would keep an eye on. I'm definitely not using one of my weekly moves on him, as we discussed already. A lot of people are talking about Wancho Hurd and Gomez. I would actually prefer Malik Beasley if you're looking at the the uh, the goobers that are currently sitting in Minnesota. I'm not convinced that some of these dudes aren't about to be on their way to Golden State anyway. Uh, but Beasley has shown he's better at basketball than Wancho. I mean, he's he's playing in Denver even when their whole roster is there. And when any of the wings go down, he immediately steps in and has a pretty good role uh, we've seen his fantasy game is pretty good, better than Hernan Gomez, who's really more of a points, rebounds only kind of guy. But at the end of the day, Brandon, I don't, I'm not moving on any of them. Uh, I'm merely saying that I think if someone was like, you have to pick up one of these fringe guys right now in a 16-teamer, for me, it's probably Malik Beasley at this moment. Yeah, and one thing that'll be interesting to see is how Culver does. He's a guy that's floating on waiver wires. It seems like now he might have a bigger role. And he got that bigger role, and he kind of sucked. I mean, he was good for about a week, and then he kind of fell apart. And getting out in front of this, let's say that D'Angelo Russell ends up in Minnesota, and reportedly Wiggins has to be in that deal. Then 
the question is what the hell happens. Because if Russell goes to Minnesota, he becomes their starting point guard. You don't really know who becomes their starting shooting guard. I mean, it might be Culver, and then you're talking about Beasley being there, but Russell's going to have, obviously, high usage with Towns, so I'm not sure that any of those guys actually become relevant. And then you look at the Golden State side of things, where they get Wiggins, and the question is, what the hell do they want with Wiggins when you have Clay and Steph Curry there? I mean, it just it if that deal were to go down, Dan, what would be who would be the guy that you would want if they do end up trading Wiggins? We obviously don't know who else would be in it. If it's Wiggins for Russell, who does that benefit? Dude, that's nuts. I think I mean those guys are on fantasy teams. Those two names, so you're you're obviously just sitting on them, which makes that part a little bit easier. Um, I don't. I just. I don't see how there's enough usage beyond the main guys uh, on the Timberwolves because now you've got you know instead of Wiggins, it's just D'Lo taking a truckload of shots behind Carl Anthony Towns, and and we've seen already the only guy that's wedging himself into value there are the guys that can do sort of special things. Rob Covington, who can hit a truckload of threes and get steals and blocks. You have to be a special kind of fantasy player to exist around two very high-usage guys. Shabazz Napier was was right on the cusp here as sort of an assists specialist. But then, obviously, if they bring in D'Angelo Russell, you wipe out any spot that might pick up some assists on that team. So you're looking at the wings, and you're thinking, can any of these guys you know, be enough to... To cover you, probably, I would think, in defensive stats. And the answer to that is I have no idea because it depends heavily on who comes back. That's, I think, maybe why I'm looking at Malik Beasley because if he slides into that spot, he could actually make a little bit of noise with steals, with, you know, some decent percentages. But this is probably, Brandon, a great example of why you wait and see, right? You don't use your moves yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Beasley has the ability to hit a bunch of threes. I mean, he hit five threes a couple of games ago against Milwaukee. And he had two steals in that game. I mean, if you can get a guy who can get five threes and two steals in a game, that's obviously pretty tasty. And it depends where his minutes are going to be. I mean, if he's playing 26 to 30 minutes, then, yeah, he's going to have value. I mean, that's that's a lot of steals right there. And his last month, he's averaging about a steal and a half per game. And combine that with a three and a half per game and then about 10 points. And, yeah, that's somebody that definitely is interesting and doesn't have very high turnovers either, which – is helpful, good free throw percentage. His field goal percentage sucks. So that's the only thing to be careful of is that his field goal percentage is not very good. You know what makes me kind of sad? What? I had Malik Beasley late last week in one league. I streamed him for that back-to-back on the 4th and the 5th and then, or on the, uh, sorry, what the hell is it, 30th and the 31st and then dropped him like two days after that. Uh, and so he's still on waivers in that league. I, I can't pick him back up, so I'm just going to get him before I can. That one's not even, and I don't think there's even a moves limit in that league. I would have looked like a, such a smart guy if he was just sitting on my team already, but uh, not to be. That's uh, that's just simply not how it's going to work. So we wait and we see, and this is, the, this is the magic of the trade deadline. This is why you don't use your moves early, because... Let's say that Minnesota unloads more of their wings to Golden State, as Brandon suggested in this hypothetical that involves D'Angelo Russell. If suddenly Beasley finds himself in a 30-plus minute role, then he becomes an obvious pickup. Then you do use a move on him because now you're looking at a guy that could walk himself into top 80 type of value. Top, I mean, anything inside the top 90, I think, is worth using a move on, as opposed to right now where you're looking at the Minnesota roster and Wiggins is in front of him. And he's going to be fighting uh, with Josh Okogie on the wing. And 
his his former and now current also teammate Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's going to be playing some minutes at the power forward spot. It is it is murky at best. I mean, what if we actually saw Gorgie Jang and Cat play together for a few minutes a game? I don't know. They've never done that in the past. But yeah. there's a lot of weird ways that this doesn't create enough minutes for all of those guys on the wings. And so I'm mostly sitting still right now. I mean, what's the best case scenario for these guys? 25 minutes a game? Yeah. And guys like Napier that were incredible assist streamers, all of a sudden his value gets crushed in Denver. Crushed. So he's no longer interesting. And the question is, who's going to be their point guard now? Because they got rid of Teague. They got rid of Napier. It's Wiggins. I mean, it's Wiggins for the time being. When he, when everybody was out earlier this year, he ran point for that team. Yeah, it's Culver, Wiggins. I mean, it's, it's gross over there. So it's... There's something it's else coming. Yeah, there has to be. There absolutely has to be. And it seems like there's going to be more trades. It seems like the Knicks will probably be involved in something. Um, I would be surprised if the Clippers are not involved in something because they need to get rid of that first-round pick because they probably don't want it because there's no need for it since they have no first-round picks after this year. So teams will be making some more deals. Yeah, it's coming, man. This is going to be a fun trade deadline. Um, Do we... Do we want to do any buy lows or sell highs today, or or tra- this was trade day, huh? Yeah, trade day. Oh, you know day. what? I got one. I got one for you before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Oladipo. Would you buy low on him here while people are getting annoyed with his slow return from injury? I think I would. It depends what you're getting. I mean, if somebody's been holding on to him this whole season, what are they realistically going to want for him? That's the thing. Hmm. I would. Would you trade Covington away for Oladipo? No, too much. Yes, I mean that Covington's what top thirty, top thirty-five. I wonder if you could, do. You think you could get him for someone in this seventy-five range, or do you think people are going to balk at that? No, I think they'll balk at it. I mean, mm. Covington right now is at forty-three or so. I mean, would you trade away Shea Gilgis Alexander for Oladipo? No. Okay, so I mean, would you trade away Tobias Harris for Oladipo? Mm, you're getting closer. Nah, probably not still. Jamal Murray. No, not yet. Mitchell Robinson. No, we got to go another round. Where are the, you're in the 50s. Now, give me, give yeah, me. Now we're, now we're getting to the 60s. We trade away Miles Turner for Oladipo. Um, now, I mean, we're pretty close on that one. I actually might. McCollum. No. Buddy Heels. Ooh, he's been better lately. I'm going to say no. I'll stick with Buddy on that one. Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I think I would. Okay, so that, that's about that area, 75. But I don't okay. think that I don't, that's not going to get you in. By the way, Thomas Bryant re-hurt, uh, re-injured. I saw that, yeah, toe, right? Or foot, ankle? Yeah, good. Yeah. that's great. Really, really helpful to my team that currently has Rashawn Holmes hurt, and uh, every single guy that I seem to be adding is getting hurt. So trade deadline. Bring me something good, please. Yeah, there was a note late last week that 21% of the NBA was injured. Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? That's totally nuts. Um, Yeah, well, go see what you can do, folks, if you can get Victor Oladipo for someone in the 70 to 80 range. It's probably not going to happen, but if he has one or two more bad ones, you might get somebody frustrated. You just never know, you know? 100% of leagues, it's not going to work, but maybe it works in like 15% of leagues, and if you're in one of those, you could score yourself a guy that could be really damn good the last six weeks of the year. Um, I think that's all we got for today. Oof. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, Big we show tomorrow. Yeah, huge show tomorrow, Brandon. You'll be on it. Uh, the trade deadline live show. I, I mean, I'm I'm promoting the crap out of that on these podcasts right now. But are you excited? Yes, yeah. as always. It was fun last year. I did it with uh, it was you, Brew, Patria, and I over the four that I believe. 
closed up shop towards the uh, towards the end. And yeah. I remember it was, I think the zoo trade happened during the deadline last year. Right at the last second, that was one of those ones where the paperwork was filed. No, like, no, it was earlier in the day. I remember oh. I missed it. I'm like, oh, I wish I was on for the Clippers trade. But, yeah. <laughs> where the Lakers were just like Mike Muscala. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Idiots. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a blast, man. It's we got. There's gonna be like ten people rotating through already this year with more names uh, still getting slotted in, and I will tell everybody about that a million times later on in the podcast as well, Brandon. Uh, you know what? I, I am, I am two slices of peanut buttered bread excited about the trade deadline tomorrow. Let's go reduce fat Skippy. Let's my belly. Let's get nutty. Brandon, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Later, bud. Man, I almost want to go back and spend another portion of the podcast talking about my Dodgers, but we're not going to do that. Big thank you once again, as always, to our buddy Brandon Marcus, my co-host on our weekly premium podcast lineup edition on every monday if you want to go get that premium membership should mention by the way here as we transition from a little buy low sell high into a quick tuesday review there wasn't a whole lot that went on on tuesday night and a lot of it was blowout stuff that the trade deadline live show is officially up and ready to go it's posted on youtube the link is available for all to see I would strongly recommend you guys head over to that link. We're going to email it out to everybody on our mailing lists. We've got it on Twitter going constantly. It's just everywhere where we can possibly put it. But bookmark that sucker. Give it a thumbs up on YouTube and use the little reminder feature. I think there's a little, uh, I think you can set an alert of some kind to make sure that you're uh, aware. There's a little, yeah, I mean, if you go to the page, there's a little set reminder button right there in the middle of the page. It's right on the main window. Click that. Remind yourself, it's Thursday at 9 Pacific time. We go on three hours before the deadline, which is noon Pacific time, and we're on for four straight hours. So we're going to run from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time, noon to 4 Eastern, same deal. So we'll be rolling three hours before the deadline and then one hour after, where we cover all of the trades that are going on. We'll obviously look back at any trades that take place leading up to the deadline. doesn't all have to be stuff that's happening in that moment. And we're starting to get a list of some of the folks that are going to be joining us on the show. Really excited, by the way, about the the laundry list of brilliance that we're going to be bringing to you guys. Myself, Aaron Bruski, Brandon Marcus, Lyle Swithenbank, Steve Vitovich, Alan Sorokin, uh, the great Lord Bogman, our buddy from over at the ITL, possibly the Welsh, we don't know yet, Pedro Dereste, one of our editors here at HoopBall, uh, Chris Chow, and uh, Santino, who I'm... Um, I mean, and this is still with people coming in and getting scheduled as we speak. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten already over the four hours. I'll be with you for the entirety of it. Again, it's on YouTube. The links are going to be posted everywhere all the time over the next day and, and however long between this moment when you listen to the podcast. And I guess it's about a day by the time this show is posted. Holy hell. Man alive. Trade deadline's a day away. Uh, so yeah, we'll be we'll be rolling 9 a.m. on Tuesday or on Thursday on the uh, on the YouTubes. So bookmark it, like it, subscribe to our YouTube page, all those good things, and then enjoy. It's gonna be fan freaking tastic. I cannot wait. Quick recap on what went down on Tuesday again. Not a lot, by the way. This was a relatively uneventful Tuesday night. 
from an actual box score standpoint. For Milwaukee, the usual suspects were all very good, uh, with the possible exception that we saw a little bit more than usual out of Wesley Matthews, and nobody cared. And we got less than usual out of Dante DiVincenzo because Pat Connaughton saw extra time. Go figure that one out. For New Orleans, I told you guys to buy on on uh, Brandon Ingram. He's going to be fine. There's plenty of opportunity for him, uh, provided Drew Holiday continues to stink it up. He's a buy low. He's going to be fine. Lonzo Ball's been pretty good. Josh Hart was a little bit better in this one. My guy Derek Favors didn't really get mixed up in his 25 minutes. I'm not worried about it, though. I told you guys already, the minutes are going to be consistently lower. They were always going to be lower. He was never going to log 30-plus minutes with Zion back. 25 minutes a game is sufficient. It's what he's been getting basically since Zion debuted against the Spurs on the 22nd, and he's been solid in those roughly 25 minutes a game. This one, they just happened to run into a Milwaukee-shaped buzzsaw. Milwaukee's killing everybody, and they just, I mean, they didn't let Favors get involved at all. Just no easy looks near the bucket. Couldn't get any offensive rebounds because Brooke Lopez is, in, is a tank on the box out. And that's where he's doing a lot of his damage because they're just not letting him do anything. All of these guys are going to get more comfortable as things settle in. Want to push, by the way, the notion here that you can still sell Zion, especially in Roto. If you can sell Zion for somebody in the top 40 in Roto, I think you'd do it yesterday. Head-to-head, there's a little bit more of a, a breaking point because you're hoping he gets going like crazy near the playoffs. But I also think there's going to be the possibility that he rests a little bit during the playoffs. So I'm on the I'm on the sell Zion bandwagon. I know, you know, 27-5 is probably not the game to go see what you can get for him. He's going to have a big one one of these days. And then go pitch him to somebody. Houston beat up on Charlotte. This was not, not a blowout. Um, ended up as a pretty good gap there. 15-point win for the Rockets. No Russell Westbrook. He's dealing with a thumb thing right now. No Clint Capella, who's dealing with a heel thing. And by the time this show airs, it might might already have been traded. So maybe I shouldn't have said that at all. Pretend that I didn't say that because I'm giving up away the fact that these shows get recorded in different chunks of time. But suffice it to say, whether it's Capella that's traded or Capella's heel, they're going centerless. Isaiah Hartenstein played three minutes. So they went all guards and forwards in this one. There wasn't anybody that was close to a center on the floor. P.J. Tucker double-doubled because, again, when Russell Westbrook is out, he actually gets to do stuff. Daniel House has been fantastic since Capella went down. He is a must-start guy for this short term. You know, obviously, we'll, we'll reassess things. Understand the fact that I'm recording this segment before any trade goes down, but I'm going to be talking to Brandon Marcus on first thing Wednesday morning, so it's possible that something has been completed by then. So take everything here with a grain of salt. Like, let's say by the time this show airs, Robert Covington is a rocket. He's going to put a massive dent into Daniel House. Whereas Tucker, he's going to hold this this role because he's the only guy in that group they trust playing center because he's so damn stout. This feels like a terrible idea, by the way. Also, doesn't Houston look more comfortable without Russell Westbrook? I know that's not fair, really, but we've had many conversations on this podcast about how he creates an artificial cap and floor for basketball teams because of what he does, because of the way he just soaks up everything. Charlotte's side, Terry Rozier was decent. Devontae Graham was decent. Miles Bridges is still on one of his little hot runs right now, so ride it while you can. Malik Monk was a guy I was keeping an eye on, and he looked good. 19 points, six boards, couple of threes, and a block. 
He really does fit the profile more of a points league guy because he's out there just shooting and not really doing anything else. So I don't think that I would use one of my moves this week on him, given the fact that moves are at a strict premium. But if you're looking for scoring and, to a lesser extent, threes, that's what he will give you, and very little else. He's very much a specialist. There is nothing else on the docket for him. Willie Hernan Gomez we're keeping an eye on. He played 17 minutes. I mean, he was obviously going to be a bad matchup. All centers were. Charlotte was forced to go basically centerless as well, hence Miles Bridges getting 15 rebounds. Uh, but Willie Hernan Gomez played 17 minutes. Cody Zeller only played 13. So they went without any kind of real center on the floor for about 18 minutes as well. But Hernan Gomez, he's really found this spot. He's 10-8 and 8 right now. If his minutes ever trend into the 20s, you're good to go. Well, Damian Lillard ran out of gas in Denver. I guess altitude would be the spot to do it. And Denver getting their starting lineup back, uh, well, that obviously doesn't hurt. A little defense into the mix. Gary Harris did not shoot the ball well, but plays good defense. Jamal Murray was back at 20 points. Nikola Jokic nearly triple-doubled. Jeremy Grant turned his ankle in the fourth quarter. He was having another brilliant basketball game at the time, so let's hope that he can somehow find a way to play through it or within a game or two. He's been stellar, and if Paul Millsap comes back, then it kind of ruins everything all in one fell swoop. Meanwhile, Trevor Ariza trending down. As we suggested he might, Carmelo Anthony was horrid in this ballgame. Apparently just ran into a Jeremy Grant roadblock. He was really bad. Mellow 0 for 5. So nothing really changes with this one. Doesn't change the... Hassan Whiteside was in foul trouble, by the way, if you're wondering what's going on there. And uh, you, we rumble along. Because now Denver getting right again. They're back to having four of their five starters worth using, and then nobody else, really. Who are they missing still? Just a Plumley. We're short of Plumley. Lakers beat up on the Spurs. Spurs were so close to stealing one from the Clippers the night before, they just didn't have much left in the tank for this one. LeBron had plenty in the tank. Kyle Kuzma actually had a decent ball game. He's been rebounding well lately. Anthony Davis was able to take his foot off the gas, just deed up on LaMarcus Aldridge and made his evening awful, and the Spurs didn't have enough else to get over the hump. They were terrible. DeMar DeRozan was fine. I'll, I'll give him some credit. He was decent enough in this ball game, but... Uh, pretty much everybody else in the Spurs got totally shut down by a Lakers defense that if they're starting to play angry again, and I don't know if it's the emotion from the Kobe stuff or losing two games in a row or what, but they look mad. Lakers look mad all of a sudden. Don't, guys, go easy, man. You got the All-Star break coming up. Let's not do anything nuts. Let's save the mad until playoff time, said the Laker fan. Trade deadline just a day away. Again, make sure to check out our goodies the live show coming up on YouTube. Here, let's break down a Wednesday card. Why don't we? Easy enough. Phoenix at Detroit. Plenty to watch in that ball game. If anything goes down with Detroit, we'll obviously be the first to tell you. Uh, that is a team to watch largely for trade rumors. And also, if Christian Wood gets to play big minutes again. That was pretty sweet. Derrick Rose has been ruled out, which means I would assume Reggie Jackson goes better than one for 16. Such is the downsides with playing a guy where you know they're going to hurt your field goal percent. You just hope it's not quite that severe. What's going on with Ricky Rubio? I hope he gets healthy here soon. I have him in a few spots, and he's been running beat up. Mikael Bridges has been solid. And that's sort of the end of that one. These two teams have been rumored 
to be in line for a potential Luke Kennard swap, which, by the way, I would not like Luke Kennard on Phoenix. I don't like the, the idea of his role there at all. He'd be coming off the bench, probably in front of Mikael Bridges, so he kills him in the process, and then gets, what, a few three-pointers? You think he's going to get enough shots behind Booker and Aiton and Ubre and sometimes Rubio? Fifth option at best. I don't like it. Maybe Bridges hangs on to value. That would be that would be the nice thing. Uh, Orlando is in Boston. Not a whole lot to take care of here. Daniel Tice um, turned an ankle and got hit in the head. They're saying he's doubtful with the ankle thing right now. I think he's out. So Ennis Cantor will probably have a little bit more to do. He'll be dealing with Nick Vucevic. Indiana, Toronto, no TJ Warren, so everybody slides up a spot. We heard Victor Oladipo's minutes might trend up a tiny bit, but he's been totally out of sorts. We'll see. There, there'll just be a game at some point along the way where he gets his legs underneath him, and that'll be cool. But until that point, you probably have a little bit of a buy window on him. It was a sell window before he came back, and now it's a buy window because he's probably starting slower than most people who kept him wanted him to. Marcus Gasol sounds like he's going to be out for another couple of ball games for Toronto, so that buys Serge Ibaka some more time. And then Norman Powell, we have no one ever gives us a timeline with this damn team, so uh, I'm hanging on though. I don't know, maybe he plays in two weeks. What the hell do I know? Plus, we got a week coming up where nobody's playing, so what's the point of bailing on a guy when that's about to come up? Golden State, who has been rumored to be in talks with the Timberwolves and then rumored that those talks have died. We'll see how that all shakes out. They're in Brooklyn. Uh, not a whole lot to care about here. D'Angelo sounds like he's going to play in this ballgame by all accounts, unless he gets traded, I guess. Damian Lee, so he'll probably have a few shots less in this ballgame. Same with uh, Glenn Robinson. I love Marquise Chris right now. And then with Brooklyn, I don't care, man. Karis Levert has another good ball game. It's going to do it on somebody else's team and not mine. Cleveland's been pretty good lately, not from a reality standpoint. They've actually had some fantasy stuff. Tristan Thompson is questionable. Apparently his name is coming up in a lot of trade rumors, which would be so amazing because of how many places I stepped on Larry Nance when people bailed out on him. Picked him up with like, I picked him up about two to three weeks ago in a lot of spots, which is longer for me than a usual stash, but I thought, hey, this guy's showing signs of life in like 17, 18 minutes, and his minutes then trended up. And then everything's come together. And so if Thompson's out and if he gets moved, it's going to be full-on Nance time. Lurie time! Oklahoma City's pretty predictable these days. Atlanta, if they're healthy, they're relatively predictable as well. But we don't know if Reddish and Hunter are getting in there. If they're not, Kevin Herter has a wide-open road. If they are, we saw all three of those guys kind of settling into the same general fantasy lines. Minnesota, this is obviously could change if Rob Covington is moved by the time this podcast airs. But for right now... Things are the same as they were yesterday, which is Cat, Rocco, sort of Wiggins lately. He's been much worse. And then Napier has been uh, decent of late as well. Memphis, pretty predictable. Uh, uh, hoping DeAnthony Melton can get some more minutes, but I don't see it coming. I think you can probably move on from him in, in most formats and pick him back up if he starts to kind of wake up again. I, I fell prey to this one as well. It just seemed like his minutes were trending up, and they just haven't really been able to stick. Dallas with no Luka. I still trust in Brunson. We'll see if he gets another start. Um, presumably, if he does, I would roll him out there. I know he wasn't that great in the last one, but generally when he starts and plays big minutes, he gets some of those popcorn numbers for you. We'll keep an eye on Willie Cauley-Stein. 
Does he get more time because of Jonas Valanciunas on the other side? The answer is maybe. Or is it all Maxi Kleba? Uh, and then Dallas is just going to rotate through bodies. Rick Carlisle way. Denver is in Utah on the back-to-back tomorrow after throttling Portland. Utah kind of needs a win right now. They're they're in a little bit of a slide. Mike Conley's been playing better. Let's see how he does against a really good Denver defense. For the Nuggets, I would imagine Jeremy Grant, if that ankle is swollen, he'll probably sit this one out on the back-to-back, but who knows? Maybe they use this opportunity to get Millsap back in there. I don't know. And then Miami is in L.A. to take on the Clippers. Uh, we're watching Montrez Harrell's ankle. He didn't look that great in the last ballgame. Zubats kind of outplayed him. But this is a weird matchup. Miami has been awfully tough on sort of intermittent opponent. Miami is a strange one, man. They they come and they go, but overall they've been pretty good. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Zubas to dump him into a lineup, not against a pretty good Heat team that you know they could throw Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk at center and space the floor, or they could try Zubas and deal throw him on on Bam Adebayo or something like that. I don't know. I really don't know. That's more of a DFS type question. Um, more the watch list than anything else, especially if the Clippers, because they're rumored to be in talks for more power forwards on that team. And we've heard that Montrez Harrell's name has been floated as a potential trade chip for the Clippers. So presumably if they moved him, they'd be getting a center back, which might kill his Zubats altogether. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm not convinced the Clippers are going to do anything, but then, you know, they always come out of no place and do something big. We'll, we shall see. And that's your Wednesday show. I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time doing all the promo stuff. We're going to do a lot of that on tomorrow's trade deadline show. Please, 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 please go bookmark it. The, the link is up on YouTube. We don't have a fast link or anything, but our YouTube page, uh, the YouTube channel is HoopBall. I think it's just HoopBall or HoopBall Media, if I'm not mistaken. But you can find the link on Twitter. Um, we're gonna Again, we're going to get an email out to everybody on our mailing list. If you don't have access to any of those things, to HoopBall's Facebook or Twitter or the email list, then you can you can email us and we can send you the link straight away. We just want anybody that's interested to be enjoying that show. Uh, thousands of, of watchers over the course of last year's episode, which was really, really cool for us. It's grown every year, and we expect it will again this time around. Again, we're breaking down all the trades. Here's the beauty of our trade deadline show. And yeah, I know I'm tuning my own horn, but I don't care. The beauty of our trade deadline show is that while the big ones on ESPN and, and NBA TV, those are going to tell you what's happening, but they have to take commercial breaks. We don't. They have to talk to experts from the teams for what it means from a reality perspective. We don't. As soon as we see a trade, we tell you what it means for fantasy. Who should you go pick up? Should you waste a, a move on a guy? We're going to have Brewski on. He'll be getting us stuff from the Hoopball Wire. He'll be watching the news, chiming in when that takes place. We'll have other amazing pros, as we mentioned, just breaking it down as it happens, in the moment. And consistently, consistently, we are the first show to go live on trade deadline day at 9 a.m., three hours before the deadline. We are almost always the first ones talking fantasy on that morning. Oftentimes, we're earlier even than the regular NBA shows are gone. Forget the fantasy ones. We're just giving you more. So again, follow at Hoopball Fantasy. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. We've done enough promo on gambling for today. We'll get back to that on Friday. Tomorrow, by the way, Fantasy NBA Today will just be the ported version of the trade deadline show. We're going to take probably the last 75 minutes or so and just put that 
available up to uh, for Fantasy NBA Today listeners. It'll have anything that happens over the actual noon deadline, noon Pacific time, and then we'll have all of this sort of wrap-up stuff towards the end of the show. So that'll be Fantasy NBA Today tomorrow. Don't expect a regular traditional Thursday show. We got the trade deadline. We're doing four hours of broadcasting anyway. So when the live show's done, we'll port it, and the, the actual Fantasy NBA Today, well, that'll probably get posted closer to about 2 o'clock Pacific time. So it'll be a later one. Friday, we'll wrap up the week. And that'll get us to the weekend. But I can't, I mean, I can't even look that far ahead right now. This is enormous. This is the biggest fantasy week of the year. This is when things can switch, tides can turn. Craziness. Get ready. Get set. Trade deadline. Live show. Thursday morning. Join us. Won't you? This is Wednesday's Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vasperis for Brandon Marcus. Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.